0: This is Kibspeak, a podcast created as a platform to foster conversation around the future of the legal industry and encourage young professionals to engage with leading innovators from across the UK. Hi, I'm Shaina. Welcome to Kibspeak. Today I'm joined by Rebecca Keating, a barrister at Four Pump Court who specializes in technology law, we cover what it's like to work in this fairly technical field of law, and Rebecca shares predictions for what the future of science and technology might hold. I hope you enjoy the podcast.
1: Rebecca, welcome to Kip
0: Speak. Hi, nice to join you. Thanks. Yeah, that's lovely. So let's get started. Well, first thing I wanted to ask was, before you were a barrister, you worked at Dropbox for a while. And I wanted to know, what was it like to work at a technology company and how did you find a transition to the tech bar?
1: Yeah, so I suppose Silicon Valley um, and even the tech scene in Dublin is obviously very different to Temple. You'll have seen when you walked through Mm -hmm. kind of old buildings and uh, kind of almost like movie set style um, (laughs) alleyways. So I think working at a tech company as a lot of people know who've been there it's quite a, it's a cool environment you know there's a lot of young people and um, usually working towards you know quite an, a new goal and things change quite a lot. Uh, so that was really exciting and obviously you've got you know the bean bags and the free food so it's <laughs> quite nice when you come out of university. Um, yeah so coming to London, I suppose in some ways the atmosphere is very different. Mm. Obviously it's really old building and um, it's quite an established profession. Um, you spend a lot of time working on your own in chambers Um, but in some ways it's quite similar, you're kind of working towards um, a goal that that changes quite a lot, it's quite dynamic and you work with a lot of different people so uh, it's very different in some ways quite similar um, to that experience
0: Yeah Uh, What was
1: your role exactly at Dropbox? Uh, So I worked on, they had a graduate uh, Mm programme that they started in Dublin so you started off and you basically um, were trained in Um, different areas of of Dropbox for business, so not um, the consumer Dropbox which um, I suppose a lot of us use (laughs) on our phones or on our laptops, Um, but speaking to companies and getting a sense of if um, Dropbox for business would work for them and that would involve lots of different things Um, the kind of business they worked in um, issues around security, privacy, mm-hmm. and at the time that would have varied a lot from country to country. So um, I worked with you know companies in South Africa where obviously just the basic tech infrastructure can be a real problem. So getting good broadband will be a difficulty they'll face. Uh, versus working with a company in Germany where privacy is mm. a big concern. Um, so, yeah, it was the Dropbox for Business side um, on their graduate program. Yeah.
0: Did that sort of feed into you wanting to be a barrister in this area, or was that something you were already considering beforehand?
1: Um, So I studied pure law at university, Mm -hmm. um, so I definitely wanted to do law, um, Mm -hmm. and when I started off I didn't really know what I wanted to do in particular. I did my undergrad dissertation on posthumous digital remains, so regulating all the digital stuff you leave behind, Um, so I was obviously interested in it at that stage. Um, And then I got offered the job at Dropbox while I was still doing law, so at that point I kind of knew, I was interested in tech, kind of the legal side, but I didn't know if I'd end up, you know, working in a, a tech company doing law or being a lawyer doing tech stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, I suppose at that point I was kind of in between the two. But yeah. yeah,
0: yeah, that's really cool. And I mean, it's been quite a while since you started practice, but how has the practice changed or what are the sort of emerging areas that you've seen that weren't as discussed before? Yeah, so I suppose being a tech barrister, your work is kind of involved in two
1: areas of tech you have classic tech which sounds funny but it's like just normal computers IT systems (laughs) and you know you might have a government organization or a company which are deploying you know a big new IT infrastructure project and so at the beginning I would have seen a lot more of that kind of stuff so you know you're having a disagreement about whether the tech does what it's meant to do. Um, over time I've seen a lot more work on emerging tech so mm-hmm. things like AI systems being used by um, governments and companies and the problems they run into with that or you know even cases with um, quantum computers mm-hmm. and emerging tech and you'll see that more with kind of patents and that kind of thing because obviously mm-hmm. they're not really out in the real world yet but mm-hmm. people are obviously putting a lot of money into patents and um, so yeah I suppose it's been a mixture of me becoming more senior, so seeing slightly more complicated stuff, mm-hmm. and also just people increasingly using more different kinds of tech, and I suppose the fights that builds up around that.
0: Yeah, oh, that's really interesting. I think that leads pretty well into my next question, which is that given that you studied straight law uh, back during your LLB, you, right now you deal with a lot of very complex, like scientific and technological areas, and I know you've written some very helpful pieces on explaining things like quantum computing um, or the Internet of Things to the layman. So as like someone who doesn't come from a STEM degree background, which is, I know is sometimes sort of sought after, yeah. uh, did you ever find that to be a challenge for you? Or how do you go about keeping up to date with these very complex areas? Yeah.
1: I suppose so much of what you do when you're a barrister is that someone comes to you with a really specific problem. So mm-hmm. obviously because they're having a fight about it, it has to be something that's complicated, otherwise they just work it out themselves. Um, so you're always dealing with a really niche area of something, whether it's you know technology or even if it's you know a construction project that hasn't gone the way people wanted, or you know, in financial services maybe there's a problem with a pension switch mm-hmm. model that people are using. So I feel like as a barrister, you always have to get used to the feeling that you're stepping into the domain of someone else and mm-hmm. trying to get used to that. And it's always going to be difficult, whether it's financial services, tech, construction, yeah. and even for people that work in you know, medical negligence or mm-hmm. anything like that. I think the main thing, though, when you in particular, don't come from a STEM background, is having an interest in understanding and learning and being curious about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that makes it a bit easier. I think if you come from a STEM background, you obviously automatically are interested in that. And that's true. And you're interested in learning about it. Maybe if you come from a law background, you might not be automatically interested mm-hmm. in learning more about tech. So I think the main thing is that curiosity, which mm-hmm. you can have if you're a STEM student or an LLB. You just Not have to, really to point. work a bit more on it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, so for the Society of Computers and Law, you've written for several years now like predictions for the upcoming year. And I know for 2020 that you identified three areas uh, that you consider to be sort of like emerging. Uh, Emergent issues. So, can you summarize that for our listeners briefly? Yeah, I so
1: uh, yeah, I think I had three. So, I think the first one was on quantum computing. As I said, that's an interest of mine. So, I think for the past few years now, I've always put one in. Uh, I don't think I've been right yet. I think I always pitch it too high. I think, I think things are going to happen a bit faster than they do. So, this year, um, obviously, you had Google um, and IBM kind of fighting over who uh, may have declared quantum supremacy. Mm-hmm. So I think my prediction for this year was that you'll see more tech companies um, saying that they've reached quantum supremacy. Enjoying the race. Exactly, yeah. And for those of um, listening that don't know what that is, it basically means that a tech company has said that they have designed... Um, a piece of software um, using a quantum computer which can do an algorithm or a sum quicker than a classic computer. So mm-hmm. it sounds pretty cool and scary. It's a little bit less daunting when you go into it that way, yeah, yeah. but it's still very exciting. Um, I think my second one was on climate change. Obviously, it's a topic of um, immense interest and importance to everyone mm-hmm. in particular in tech. So my prediction was that tech companies will become more interested in that and we'll see more efforts... Um, by tech companies to kind of work on um, carbon neutralizing efforts and um, ways of essentially locking away carbon, uh, which I think we already see a little bit anyway. We might not see it in 2020, but certainly in this decade, it'll be yeah, a lot more important. And sure. um, The last um, one then was on classic computers. So obviously we use silicon chips. and Carbon nano chips are a new wave of chips, which are both more efficient in terms of the electricity they use, which is great for the environment, but also more, more powerful. Mm-hmm. So my prediction is that we'll see a lot more investment going into that and hopefully maybe you know, a commercial chip being used mm-hmm. as opposed to just in a lab somewhere in San Francisco. So that yeah. was my last one. So not forgetting classic computers are obviously still really important. Yeah, so a prediction on that as well.
0: Yeah. No, that's, a, that's really interesting. Well, this is not something that you mentioned in your predictions and I think not many people would have predicted but we do live in interesting times and (laughs) uh, I know with there's been a lot of knock-on effects of the coronavirus sort of epidemic uh, do you foresee a lot more litigation affecting um, your area and other areas of law as a result of what we've seen with the coronavirus outbreaks around the world.
1: Yeah, so I think in terms of the short term, there'll obviously be a lot of impact on, um, I suppose, what we would call delay. So providing services and agreements, a lot um, of industries, in particular tech, rely on you know hardware and things like that mm-hmm. being received from you know um, China. Yeah. Um, so that will obviously, in the short term, have a big impact on that. I suppose whether we'll see litigation will depend on how practical and pragmatic and Mm -hmm. understanding people are um, of the situation their partners face. Um, Obviously, in other areas, there'll be a bigger impact. So some of my colleagues here who work a lot in the shipping industry as well, it's obviously incredibly important for that. And I think we've had a few members already giving talks on (laughs) the impact, even though it changes on a daily basis. But um, some areas certainly, especially... Um, industries that rely on global trade in a big way like shipping Mm. will be really impacted and I'd say you'd see a lot more disputes um, in the longer term to do with the impact on that.
0: I guess it's just something to keep an eye out. Exactly
1: yeah and I think it's one of those things where it'll depend as I said on how commercial and understanding people Mm -hmm. are and perhaps whether people abuse the excuse um, of coronavirus or whether it's a genuine excuse Mm -hmm. um, and that'll be something we'll have to see. That's very true.
0: So, later this month, you're going to be a facilitator for an event by the Women in Tech Law Group, um, run by the Society for Computers and Law, uh, and I, my understanding is that it aims to promote gender diversity and inclusion in the tech law sector specifically. So. I just wanted to hear if you've got any comments on the situation of sort of gender diversity in the profession and whether you also have any advice to women looking to enter this sector. Yeah, um, so I think in terms of advice,
1: I think it's difficult to offer advice <laughs> to everyone um, because people come from different backgrounds and you know, it's so obviously, you know, uh, I'm a woman working in legal tech but there'll be, you know, people from, you know, different countries, different backgrounds and the... Um, hurdles they'll face will be different so I think it's always difficult to offer kind of general advice one thing I think is always valuable um, to people in particular women entering the profession but also to anyone that's interested is kind of getting a mentor I think that's that's really valuable and that could be a woman or a man I don't I don't think it really matters but just someone in the industry who you know can give you some advice some guidance and I think that's really valuable, in particular where you might be someone where the statistics don't represent you mm-hmm. in the way that other people are represented. And that's one thing I think is really good about the SCL Women in Tech Committee is that you know, we organise events, and um, they're open to men, women, non-binary, it, it doesn't matter. It's just all about inclusion mm-hmm. um, in the tech industry. And we also provide mentors at SCL, and I think those kind of steps... I would say, um, would be worth taking in advance of entering the profession. And also just throughout, I think I have lots of mentors as well, even though I'm already in tech, and this was law. And I think it's having those mentors is the most valuable advice I could give to people. Um, Just someone to talk to and to discuss your problems, issues, um, wins, that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, that's really good to know. And I, I completely agree. I think having people who, who have been through what you're hoping to do and able to give you advice or just reassurance is really nice. Yeah. Cool, so we are reaching the conclusion of our interview but we've asked all our speakers a list of three questions and the first one that I wanted to get around to is, what is the biggest obstacle that, if removed, would make your job easier or more impactful? Yeah, I suppose time,
1: but everyone would say that, wouldn't they? I feel like, you know, students of Kings are going to say that, everyone's going to say If I could have a time machine, that would be great. Absolutely. Just add a few extra hours to the day.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, I'd probably squander them using, like watching Netflix or something, but um, I think that would be mine. Mm-hmm. If I can get more of that, that would be um, pretty good, but mm-hmm. yeah.
0: That would be very handy. Yeah. And can you tell us a bit about a highlight from your past year at work? Yeah, um, I think a highlight for me, it's kind of a broad one, but as I said at the beginning,
1: I'm seeing a lot more of emerging tech kind of cases to do with that and also just advice. Um, And for me, that's a highlight because obviously out of all tech, um, whether it's just, you know, um, what I call a classic computer or, you know, a quantum computer, but for me, it's been being instructed on cases to do with things like AI, quantum computers, uh, for me has been a highlight, mm-hmm. um, both in terms of just getting to know that technology a little better and also just getting to meet people who work day to day in those industries has been quite exciting for me. So I'd say in the last year, that's been the, the highlight.
0: Yeah, that sounds really cool. And finally, where can we find or learn more about you?
1: Um, yeah, so I've got my Chambers profile, which I feel like isn't <laughs> that exciting. I tweet at Rebecca N. Keating uh, on Twitter, and that's... Slightly more exciting stuff <laughs> than uh, my chambers profile, so I'd say there
0: is the best place cool, to find. Cool, people look at. Yeah. Great, and um, thank you so much, Rebecca, for your time. Great. I look forward to seeing you soon. Thanks for having me.